Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. For a few weeks. I can't play the guitar. I can't really clap either. So I have this weird thing going on. I had carpal tunnel surgery on Monday, and then in a few weeks I go back for the other hand. So I'll be out for a little while playing the guitar. So um, good times. But I love to come and just worship God. Yeah. It feels Amen. good to be with like-minded believers, to worship. So I'm going to dismiss the kids to Sunday school. You can be dismissed. Y'all have a good time in Sunday school. Oh, man. Well, let me, uh, let me do a couple of announcements real quick. Um, following this service today, we're just going to have a quick meeting. Um, it, it's going to be a, talking about greeting and um, follow-up and stuff. And so if you're interested in being involved in the church in some way, because did you know this? Every person in the church should be a greeter. Oh, yeah. Oh, let me, I'll be right back. (laughs) Looks like I need more rugs out there. Oh, Millie got hurt. I feel bad. Well, let's pray for Millie before we move on. God, I pray you touch Millie. God, you know how bad it is to hurt. God, when you flip and fall, God, I pray you touch her, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I'm glad slip and fall is sometimes okay. Well, so after church, um, we're going to have a meeting. If you want to be involved, everyone should be a, a greeter. You should, everybody should be friendly. Everybody should be able to give a high five. And so we're just going to talk for a few minutes. So if you want to be involved, this is for you. Um, it'll start probably 1245-ish or one. It'll just kind of depend. Like if everyone's talking and it's like 1245 and nobody's left, well then we'll start it at one. <laughs> if at 1230, like everybody's left and there's like a few people, I'll be like, okay, you guys must be sticking around to hang out and talk about this with me. So at that point, uh, we'll just get started with it. So at either 1245 or one, we'll kind of give it a little, it's going to take 30 minutes tops um, and then just some time for questions. So if you're interested in doing something in the church, um, this is a place you want to be. And then this Saturday is uh, Derek's memorial service. It'll be at 4 p.m. So if you are, if you uh, would like to come, you are certainly welcome. Um, there is a sign-up list out there. We just need some help with some uh, salads and desserts and stuff like that. I know some people had volunteered. We just want to get your name down and, like, what you're doing so we know. Um, otherwise, we'll get other stuff from the store. But that is the announcements that I have. Let's, I just want to pray before we get started here. Um, And uh, just ask God to touch us. God, I pray that you would move in this place today, God. God, you know every person that's sick, every person that's struggling, God. You know every person that's sitting here right now. God, I pray that you would touch us. God, I pray that you would anoint me, God. Anoint our ears to hear your word. God, I pray you'd move. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I have a message. It's titled, Awaken to Sin. And one of the most evident traits of an awakening or revival is that conviction always happen. There is always an awakening to sin, understanding that there is right and wrong, good and evil. Understanding that my life needs to change is conviction, and it's not a bad thing. Conviction is a good thing. When God convicts us, that's a a really good thing. It's not God being mean, it's God loving us. And so conviction is good. So when the preacher preaches and it just hits you, And you're like, why do I feel this way? It's not because I'm trying to make you feel bad or I'm saying these things. It's because God is working in you and God is touching you. So let's go into our scripture. Our overarching scripture um, through this series has been Romans 13, 11, but I'm adding a couple more. But uh, in, in in verse 11, it says, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. It's saying it's this is your hour to wake up from sleep. Because now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. 
It's a great scripture because it calls Christians to awaken. And in many cases, Christians have fallen asleep. We've gotten okay with, you know, we've gotten okay with just feeling some goosebumps every now and then. We've gotten okay with just feeling, like, I prayed today, so I'm, I'm okay. But that's not, that's not the end-all, be-all in our relationship with God. The return of Christ is near, so we have to awaken. And this is talking about repentance. And the reason why I say that is because verse 12 says this, the night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Here, think about this for just a second. You've just been given a bunch of information, and it says here that this stuff is sin. But you know what? Information does not equal transformation. Just because you have information does not mean you're going to change. It, it, it comes to this place where I have to have obedience to the word of God and follow what God has. So if you want to have transformation, then you're going to have to have God's spirit working in and through you. So transformation happens when God's spirit works in and through us. So those next scriptures right there, it's saying that we have got to be transformed, that when we come to God, we're not the same. We can't be that. We should not be the same. If you, if you came to God last year and you look at your life a year later and you're like, I am the exact same person that I was a year ago, then I'm going to ask you to really look at your relationship with God because God called us to be separate. He called us to not be the same. He called us out uh, of the world. He called us into his marvelous light. And so if I'm going to be called out, I have to live. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to look. I'm going to be. I'm going to act different. I'm going to think differently. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're thinking the same way you were thinking when you came to God, then we need to look at your relationship with God because his spirit will change you. I am not the same person that I was. I'm not the same person that I was, shoot, three years ago when we started the church. Like, I am not the same person. And if you believe that you have arrived, that you are where God wants you to be, you are asleep. If you're living in sin and you think that it's okay, you are asleep today. And I'm not saying that because, like, you all are a bunch of sinning heathens and you're going to hell. Like, that's not what I'm saying but we have to recognize what the Bible says here. Let us walk with decency in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. Like there's like a good list right there. Work on that list. You got some jealousy in your life. You need to go home, look in the mirror, rebuke that pride. <laughs> Tell yourself, you know what? This is not okay to live this way. God has called me to be different, to be separated from the world. So every awakening has been coupled with conviction. And so the very first scripture that I'm going to read about this is Acts 2 and verse 36. It says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, in this day and age, I feel like so many times preachers skate over sin. Like, you know what? I'll be honest. It's hard to talk about sin. You feel bad about it. You're like, someone's going to be like, he's being mean to me. Like, that's the thoughts that go through my mind, okay? Like, this is the internal dialogue that I go through, okay? Peter got up and said, <clears throat> in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. And, like, when I read this scripture, it just, like, made me think, well, wow, all those that assembled at that day, were there people that said crucify him? You know the passage they said, like, crucify him, give us Barabbas. Were there people there that wanted Barabbas over Jesus? And Peter just straight out calls their sin out and says, hey, you who crucified Jesus. You know what? In Romans, Paul goes ahead and talks about how we crucify Jesus in our sin. So for you who have crucified Jesus, me, I've crucified Jesus. I have got to awaken to what sin, because I don't want to live so that, in sin so that grace much might more abound. I, I, I don't want to continue in my lifestyle. Grace has already abounded. I don't want to continue in my past. 
Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope it makes sense. Okay, so Peter points to just this one thing in in this passage here. He, He points to this one thing and says that you crucified the Savior. And this statement right here, this very next one that he makes, you see the conviction that they feel. It pierces their hearts. Acts 2 and verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? I, man, I wish I could preach like Peter. I wish I could preach like Peter when pe- and people would be like, what should we do? Like, what should I do? I've got to get a relationship with God because I have crucified Christ. So this word here that is used for pricked, it's the, the Greek word is katanousomai, um, and it means to pain the mind sharply, to agitate it vehemently, to exhibit the emotion of sorrow. That's what the word pricked is. In an instant, God touched their lives, and it wasn't because Peter was up there being a jerk. He wasn't. He was preaching the truth. And, and he, wasn't, he wasn't like saying, you terrible people who crucified Christ. That's not what he was saying. But he was saying the sin that they had committed, and it was just one of the sins that they had committed. And in this moment, they came to the realization and they began to exhibit the emotion of sorrow because God's spirit pricked their hearts. We need to have an awakening in our world that pricks our hearts. God, what do you need to change in my life? I cannot be this way anymore. Personal awakening must be coupled with an understanding of sin. Look, we can have, you know what, I want to see, I want to see many people filled with God's spirits. I want to see God, I want to see people's lives changed and transformed. I want to see addictions broken. I want to see health. I want to see people touched. And I believe that God can do it. I believe that he does do it. But to come to that, we each have to have a personal awakening. We each have to have a personal revival, a personal restoration with force before it can happen over a big group of people. Look at the, the people that happened. They gathered and they prayed. The 120 that were in the upper room, they're praying. God moves. They had a realization of what was going on. And here we go. Let's talk about personal conviction bringing revelation. Personal conviction brings revelation so you know why you need to change. That's the beauty of conviction. It's not something that we try and like push aside. It's not something that we like, oh, I got to trudge through this. I've done this my whole life. Like, I need to stay doing this same thing. I'm, I'm rigid in my thinking. Conviction is God's spirit working in us, perfecting us. It says that, um, so conviction is the love that God has for you. You're like, but conviction sounds bad, Zach. Like, it sounds like God's saying, I don't like you the way that you are. No, that's, that's not what it is. It's not that God doesn't like you the way that you are. It's just the way that you are is sinful, and it separates your relationship with him. Amen. So I've got to come to the realization, oh, shoot, the things I'm doing are not pleasing to God, and I love God. And so I'm going to change things in my life because of what God is doing in me and how I feel. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Like, you got to think about this for a moment. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to stand up here and just list a bunch of sins and a bunch of things that you that we all mess up and do sometimes. But the reality is, is I've got to come to this realization to live in a repentant lifestyle. So let's look at some individual revelations. We're going to look at one who's pretty popular. Acts chapter 9, verse 4 through 6. It says, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, now I'm going to stop at that verse right here because I think it's just absolutely crazy. The very next phrase that is said in verse 5. So here in this, falling to the ground, he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Here is God saying, why are you persecuting me? Paul was persecuting the church. He was, he was killing the people. He was killing Christians. He was, putting them in, he was putting them in jail because he felt that what they were doing was not right. And so he was doing what he felt was right. It's really important to realize that just because you think it's right doesn't make it right. 
He thought what he was doing was pleasing to God. He thought what he was doing was in the name of God. Just because we feel good about it doesn't mean it's okay. I used to feel good when I did drugs. I used to feel good when I got drunk. I used to feel good with sexual immorality. I felt good. But you know what? I come to the realization that I can't live that life anymore because God does not agree with that life. And if he doesn't agree and I love my God, then I want to be on the winning side. I want to be on his side. And Paul comes to the, the Saul comes to the realization, I'm persecuting him. Look at his phrase right here in verse 5. It says, who are you, Lord? Okay, what's crazy is that he, like he says, who are you, Lord? The word there, the Greek word, um, I can't remember what it is. I don't have it written down, but I was looking at it before church. And it basically means that he was saying that you are my owner. He, he was like, you are the master of my life. But who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. You see, the very first part of this revelation that came is that I am persecuting Jesus. That's what he comes to. He comes to this realization that his sin was persecuting, his, was persecuting Christ. And this realization brought obedience. It wasn't the fact that Paul was blind. It, it wasn't that. It was that he had come to the realization that there was sin in his life. And so he followed and obeyed the voice of God. In 1 Samuel 12, 7 through 9, um, this, is a, this is a tough one here. But Nathan, it, it, this is David and Bathsheba. I don't know if you remember that story in the Bible. David and Bathsheba, she's like doing her thing in the bath. And David's like, ooh, bring her up to my palace. It's all messed up story, you know. David's messed up. But yet, here in this passage right here, there's something important. Nathan replied to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I rescued you from Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if it was not enough, I would have given you even more. Whoa. That's what God says to David. But how does that like stick in your life today? How does that little passage right there, I anointed you king over Israel. You're like, well, I'm not a king over Israel. But you got a house that you're living in. You got some, you got a sphere of influence that you have. One of the most important things that we can do as, uh, as Christians is share our story and what the goodness of God has done in our lives. Here we go. Verse 9, it says, why then have you despised the Lord's command? By doing what I consider evil. <coughs> Whoa. This is what I consider evil. It's not about what I consider evil. It's about what God considers evil. It's not my decision. It's his decision. It's not my word. It's his word. And so what has God said? And here in this, he says, you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Ammonite sword. He was saying, David sent Uriah out to the front lines of the battle. Like he was thinking he would get away with murder by sending this man out there and telling his, his troop to fall back and leave him out there alone. I mean, like that looks sketchy as all get out, you know. Um, but here we go. He goes out there, he fights, and God is saying, you killed him with the Ammonite sword. The army, you, you did that, David. It wasn't them, it was you. His death is on you because you made the decision. You made the call. You struck down Uriah the Hittite. You lived in immorality when you took his wife and, and, and you robbed him of what he had. You were living in immorality. But you know what? David's revelation of his personal sin brought him to his knees for yes. repentance. That's the, the purpose of conviction. That's the purpose of understanding what sin is, is that, that it would bring me to my knees and go, oh my God, God, I did not mean to, I, I didn't realize, God, forgive me for this. It's okay to own up and, and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. You need, every single one of us need to do it. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, Zach, we've all repented of our sins. We're good. Okay, good. 
Even I still experience conviction. Even I still feel God drawing me and changing me. There's things that I do in my life that I may not be able to completely 100% like say this is, this is the biblical reason as to why I do it other than the scripture that says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So I still experience conviction and we are all in need of experiencing conviction because the last thing I want to do is live a lifestyle that is displeasing to God. I can look at his word and know what is displeasing to God. I'm not saying like uh, his grace, yes, but his grace should cause me to change. I don't get to stay the same. Like that's not what grace is. That's not what salvation is, is God enacts his grace upon you so that you can go and continue in who you are. It's so that he can enact his holiness and his graciousness on you to change you. So conviction is not something that we just push through. It's not something that we, and God convicted me of this, but I, I don't think it was conviction. I think it was my own thoughts. I think it was my own mind that, that convicted me. And so I reasoned it out. Look, here's the thing I want to share with you. The devil is absolutely never going to try and get you to grow closer to God. Can you believe that? Like, if you look at something in the Bible and you're like, man, I do that. Is that sin? No, that's just the devil messing with me and telling me I'm a bad person. No, it might be God's word dividing the parts of our heart, knowing and you like coming to the realization, oh, I need to, I need to change. That's not pleasing to God. I'm not saying that you need to go home and like figure out all the bad things that you do. I'm not asking you to do that. But what if you lived life a little bit differently? What if you lived life with this thought in my mind? Is what I'm saying, thinking, and doing pleasing to God? Like it changes some of the things you do. I used to talk a whole lot different, Carl. <laughs> oh, I used to act a whole lot different. <laughs> I used to be an entirely different person. And sometimes Carl asked me today, he's like, he's like, if I hit your hand, what would happen? And I was like, I don't think we want to find out. I'll either pass out on the floor out due to pain, or I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> I said, I don't really want to find out which one it is. <laughs> we laughed. He didn't hit me. <laughs> uh, it's not something that should discourage us. When God convicts us, it shouldn't be discouraging. It should be encouraging because he loves you enough that he's working in you and on you. He's changing you. It should encourage us that God is changing us. We need to be brought to our knees. Rules are not conviction. If I just gave you a list of rules and said, here, do this, it would be me enacting my rules on you. Now, yeah, there are, there are things. There are certain things. Like, eventually you'll find out if you, if you get involved with church, you'll find out. Like, I ask, like, to a certain level, like, look presentable, be nice, you know, like there's some, there are some rules, like don't, don't be a jerk to people, like if you're going to sing up here, don't have a rotten attitude, you know, <laughs> you didn't have a rotten attitude, <laughs> but it's the truth, like sometimes we'll come to church and we're like, well, I got to sing, like I've been there, okay, like I've, I've, I've played the drums and played for a long time and I would have a bad attitude and uh, I would come to church with a bad attitude, and I'd get up there, and I would uh, do my thing. Who am I to do that? Who are we? If we got a bad attitude, it's okay to just be like, you know what, I need a break. But i got to come to the realization that I can't minister to someone when I'm all messed up up here anyways. i, I got to take a break and get what I need from God. You know what? I absolutely enjoy it's sitting out there and worshiping God. It's different worshiping God out there than leading people in worship up here. So if I just give you rules then it's me enacting my ideas, my thoughts on you. But if I give you the word of God, it is now God working on you and through you. See, God has given me convictions that I could tell you all about. And, and I can't necessarily explain why I believe what I believe. Like, I'll tell you this one. Like, and you may like look at me and be like, you are crazy. I don't, like, I'm not a big like, shorts fan, personally. Like, personally. I don't, I don't wear shorts. If I do, there ain't no one around. Um, and, I, and, I, and I use this excuse a lot because I don't like my white legs. But I know if I just would wear shorts, like my legs would probably not be white anymore. 
There's like there's a scripture. It's an Old Testament. It talks about like keeping your thigh covered. So like biblical nakedness. Sometimes I'll be joking with my family and be like, I'm I'm biblically naked. You know, you have to keep your thigh covered. Is that the what it's talking about? And so I I just I just tend to not wear shorts very often. If I do, it's in my yard. I don't I don't wear them out. And I've been asked before, and I'm just like, yeah, personal preference. I don't have a Bible verse that'll tell you don't wear shorts. Keep your thigh covered. It's a pretty good rule of thumb. Um, I, would, I, would, I would go with that. But I, I, I'm not going to get up here and tell you, hey, you have to live like me. I expect you to wear jeans all the time during the summer. I'm not going to tell you that. But if God does work in you and you, like, you feel like you need to take a step, maybe that's, uh, I'm not saying that that's the area that God is going to work on you as a sister. Place in my life, okay? I would say probably has something to do with the way I was brought up and things like that. But, you know, that's not a big deal. I can't give you an explanation as to why I do what I do. But I want to be pleasing to God. There's certain things I won't watch because I just don't think it's pleasing to God. Like, the Bible does say don't set any evil thing before your eyes. So, you know, like, think about that for a little bit. Like, there's a whole lot of evil out there on Facebook on Instagram, on TikTok, you know, like, everything has got something evil. You turn on your TV, there's something evil that you can find. Like, now, the, the TV may actually be a better place than the Internet, but um, it's not much better. <laughs> so don't set any evil thing before your eye. So here's the thing is, when I'm pricked in my heart, it's not necessarily because God's Word, but it's because God's Spirit works in me. He's my instructor, right? So they were pricked in their heart. I don't want you to be told and pricked by a rule. I want you to be pricked in your heart. I can't prick your heart. Only God can. I can't prick your heart with a rule, but I can tell you the word of God, and it can change you and work in you and through you. That's what I want. I want, I want, I want to preach, and I want to see someone, oh, my heart has been pricked. I want to be changed. I don't want to live the life I've always lived. So how does it happen? I'm tasked with the responsibility to preach the Bible. You know what? There'll be days that other people one day will preach. I believe it. With everything that's in me, there'll be people from this church, from Detroit Lakes, that will begin to preach. And you know what? They're going to make mistakes. You know how I know that? Because we're all human and we all make mistakes. And I'm excited for that day. I'm excited for that day when iron sharpens iron, Joe, when we can be strengthened by each other. Joe, you know what? Oh, shoot. Sorry, Joe. I'm going to throw you under the bus. Um, Joe has talked about, he's like, you know what? I feel like that's one of the things God's called me to do is preach. But he's like, I want to preach. You know, I, I want to be exciting like you. I'm like, Joe, you're never going to be exciting like me. You're going to be exciting like God wants you to be. You just need to write your story down. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, does anyone know what a disciple is? Follower of Christ, okay. Um. I, I went to this conference this weekend, and it just hit me. This guy was talking, and he was talking about being a disciple of Christ. It's having a missional objective as a Christian. If I'm going to be a disciple, I'm going to have a mission. He sent him out two by two, right? Uh, there was a point when I was always talking, like, write your story down. Get it written down. You may not feel like you can teach a Bible study. That's okay. But you know what you can do? You can talk about the goodness of God and what he's done in you and through you through the story that he has given you. Go ahead and make the Bible life when you walk outside these doors. Don't, don't be just here waiting for someone to give you something, but start giving the grace of God that he's given you. That's a disciple. I have a mission as a Christian to do something for God. So I'm tasked with the responsibility of preaching the Bible. We are all tasked with the responsibility of sharing the gospel. Um, the Bible calls for separation from the world, and that's not open for interpretation. You must be separate. Fitting in and doing what society says is right when it is in direct opposition to God's word is sin. Just because it, it, it makes you feel good doesn't mean it's of God. And, and just because good things happen in your life don't mean it's God. The enemy will love to sway you, and he knows your weaknesses. He may offer you that job. He may offer you this. He may offer you that, and you just go ahead and fall. Well, it's the goodness of God. Yeah, thanks, Grandma. You better pray about it. It's true. Don't just accept it because it happened. Seek the face of God. That's, that's what being a Christian is. So 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action. Your minds ready for action. Be sober-minded. 
and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. That's mean what this guy says here. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. If God brought you out, stop looking back. And he calls us children here. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. I'm going to step on someone's toes when I say this. There's a lot of pride in our world. So much pride. And, and, and one of the things that, I mean, I like it. I get it. But there's this saying, lions, not sheep. And I get it. I get what you're saying when you say it. But let's think about this for a minute. The Bible talks about two lions. The lion from the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. And then it talks about the other one that's like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, the devil. And here we are associating, our, associating ourselves and saying, I'm a lion, not a sheep, when God called us to be sheep. And I am not saying to follow the whims of the government or anything, but I feel like pride rides and rules in our lives and so many times. If you think that you are the lion, that you can stand on your own, that you can go and do your own thing, then you need to walk home, stand in the mirror, and rebuke that pride, that spirit of pride that has settled down inside of you. If you think you've got no place to change, if you don't think that God can change you, then you need to go stand in front of the mirror and say, I rebuke that spirit of pride that has come upon me. I have got to be changed and transformed by the renewing of our mind. Look at what the verse 15 says, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So because he's the lion and I am associated with the lion, I have the lion on my side, but I'm going to be what God called me to be and I'm going to follow my Jesus. I'm going to follow my Savior, my Messiah. Be holy because I'm holy. And I would assume the very first thought in your mind is, well, I can't be holy. I'm already messed up. <laughs> That's okay. That you're in the right place if you're messed up. Good. Maybe the first thing, maybe the first thought is there's no way I can be holy like God. And you are indeed correct that you cannot be holy like God is holy. This is why he convicts me and why he convicts you. Because he's calling us to change. So when you come into his holy presence, it causes you to see the areas that are not pleasing to God. That is conviction and his holiness operating on you. I want to be just what the Bible says, holy, because he is holy. But there is nothing that I can do to be holy. So how do I do that? I allow God to convict me. And I follow his leading. You're like, but that's something you did right. You're right. I chose to be obedient to the leading of God. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the king, king uh, I believe it was King Saul, he, uh, he goes off and, 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 and he was instructed to destroy everything. And he got this great, brilliant idea. Let's bring all the good things back and we'll sacrifice it. We'll use it for sacrifice. And he comes back and the prophet says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Good thought, good idea, but you should have been obedient than have that good idea enacted on. Think about that for a minute. How many times do you have a good idea and you're like, oh, this is so good. And God's like, nope. And you're like, but it's a good idea and I'm going to do it. And it's successful. You bring it back. You think you can sacrifice it to God, but it's a tainted sacrifice because God didn't want it. It's the same thing that Cain did way back in the Bible when he, he offered up a sacrifice. He was just trying to get by. He, was, he wasn't insincere in his heart. I want God, everything that I have, everything that I am, I give to you. I want to be changed and transformed. So when conviction happens, we must recognize that, that it is God and stop reasoning our way out of it. 
and figuring out how to get out of it and, and, and begin to focus and say, you know what, he's leading me to change. I do it all the time, okay? So with when I'm preaching here right now talking about like following his conviction, I have reasoned out things before. I currently do those things. And then I get convicted so much more. But you know what? There was a point in my life where I pushed past the conviction. I was in San Antonio, Texas. I was on my way to the bar. My grandma calls me. You want to know what conviction feels like? Let my grandma call you on your way to the bar. (laughs) Stop me in an instant. I answered the phone, and I talked to her. And I had become so numb that I ignored what I felt. I knew what I was about to do was wrong. And she just called me up and said, hey, I love you, and I'm praying for you. Is everything okay? No, everything wasn't okay, Grandma. No, I'm going crazy right now. I'm I'm going to the bar right now, and I am going to get trashed. What I was going to do, like that was my purpose. It wasn't just social drinking, please, please. I'm going to get blackout drunk. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to do stupid things while I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, that's of God. Yeah, God's, God's pleasing. That's what carousing means, you know, being loud and crazy. <laughs> Boy, when I felt that, I had gotten so numb because I had continued in my own way. What was right in my own eyes, I kept doing it. And when I felt that, I remembered what it felt like. And I was like, you know what? It's okay. I'll have another opportunity. The moment that you sell yourself the lie that you're going to have another opportunity oh, is the moment that you should know that you are dead asleep in the middle of the night and should be worried at where you are at in your relationship with God. When we reason everything out, we just, just like, we become just like the Pharisees and Sadducees and all those who crucified Jesus Christ. When we reason everything out, We become that. The last thing that we need is rules. What we need is his holy presence touching and changing our lives forever. While I will have some guidance in some things when people step up and want to lead, I'm not going to create a bunch of rules. Because here's what I know. is As we come to Christ, we are going to grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord, which means that I'm going to come, I'm going to look one way one day, and you know what? There's going to be six months down the road, and I'll be like, you're not the same person. This is, I'm going to share this story with you. I'm getting ready to close. I'm almost done. When I was down there at this conference this weekend, this guy, he was talking about discipleship, and he was telling this, uh, he was telling this young man that he had baptized, and he had been, you know, just, you know, going through some, like, stuff in the Bible, and Trying to, trying to be a disciple. He didn't really know what it was like, though. And so he gets invited by his friends to go to the bar. And so he goes to the bar, and he comes to, comes to church, and he tells his pastor, I went to the bar. And he's like, instantly, I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> he went to the bar. He's like, but I only drank Coke, so it was okay. I went to the bar, and he goes, and they proceeded to ask me why I was so different, why I was making And all I did was talk for four hours about the goodness of God. And so he kept meeting in this bar, in this, having this like little Bible study telling his story. And then God convicted him. And he was like, he told his pastor, he's like, I don't know why. He's like, I just feel like I shouldn't be doing this at the bar. That's God convicting and changing. It's not necessarily wrong to walk into the bar. But if you have been associated with that in your life, why sit in a place that tempts you? Why sit in a place that you, you feel that temptation and it, and it caused him? He said, do you think I should invite them to my house and do this? And he was like, absolutely. You want to know what a, being a disciple looks like? Being messed up, doing it, doing it what we would say all wrong. Oh, like I would never teach a Bible study in the bar. Why not? <laughs> You know what? If, if, if that's where your life is, I can't remove you from your life. But as God calls you, he's drawing you into a new life. And so things change in your life. But if I just tell you, hey, you're not allowed to go to the bar, you're going to be like, I 
not going to that church. He's stupid. <laughs> Saved by grace. <laughs> like, I'm just, I, like, you've got to come to the realization that God wants you to change, that he does not want you to stay who you were. He wants to change you because he has a purpose for every single person in this place. So if we are to have an awakening, we're going to have to take a deep look at ourselves individually. We're going to have to have God convict and guide us. We're going to have to have God move us from feelings to facts. Feelings feel good. Feelings make me happy. But feelings are not facts. I think everybody thinks I'm crazy. Pretty close to facts. <laughs> but a lot of times it's just associated with feelings. My anxiety is driven by feelings and not facts. Am I crazy sometimes? 100% yes. <laughs> but I know that God has called me. I know without a shadow of a doubt there are people in here that have a calling of God on their lives. And you ran from it. You've been afraid of it. You're like, I can't do it. I'm not going to be a good speaker. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to shake someone's hand. It's okay. I promise you God's spirit will change and transform you. So if, if we're going to have an awakening, it's got to be, it can't be about you and what makes you feel good. It's got to be about what God wants in us and through us. It's about what is right and good in the eyes of God. If we're going to have an awakening in America, I see it all the time. People are like, we need to have a great awakening. We need to have a revival. But I can't. you cannot be satisfied with where you're at and have revival at the same time. You can't be satisfied in sin and believe that you're going to have an awakening. You have to have this discomfort that pricks you in your mind. And you say, oh, my God, this is not where I should be. It's got to to produce sorrow within you. So, that's it. I don't have anything else to preach. I want God to convict you. And I know this, his cross serves a purpose. For me, for you. I know his conviction serves a purpose for me, for you, to change each and every one of us. Never feel that you're inadequate to come into the presence of God. Never feel that you're inadequate to be used of God because you may find yourself sitting in the bar talking about the goodness of God sipping on a cookie. Think about that for a moment. What could change in your life if the people in your life knew what God had done? Knew what God had done in you? What if you began to share your testimony with a purpose? to share the gospel of Jesus. I believe God is working in people. I've seen the growth in people's lives. I believe that God is changing people. As this song plays, I want you just to, for a few minutes, I want you to think about the words of this song. Maybe you know the words, and I want you to pray it. presence surrounds you. Hell in the grave. 
If you've been struggling with something in your life, I want to invite you to the front. I want to pray with you. I believe that God's going to touch you today. I believe you can walk out of here changed and transformed. If you believe it, why don't you come forward and let's pray together. Hallelujah, Oh, 
price. He paid the price. So I give myself to you, Jesus. Everything that I am, everything that belongs to me, God, I give it to you, God. God, I worship you, I praise you. Hallelujah. All God is looking for is your brokenness. For you to recognize that you cannot do this on your own. You don't have to be super strong. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the lion. Because he is. I'm going to follow him. You don't have to be the lone wolf. You've got an army on your side. Remember that as you go throughout this week. God, I pray that you would touch us. God, as we read your word, God, we would be convicted. As we look over our lives this week, God, I pray that we would be convicted. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's some questions for you to think about. What has God convicted me about? And am I striving to be holy as my God is holy? You will never be as holy as your God. But are you striving? That's it. Thank you for being here today. I believe God's working in people's lives. If you have any questions, don't hesitate. I'm not going to be all like, oh, you're stupid for asking that question. Promise you. I've ne- you could ask anyone who's asked me that qu- a question, and I've never been like, oh, that's stupid. But people have told me I'm afraid to ask questions. Please don't be afraid to ask me a question or tell me something. <laughs> Please don't. You can ask Joe. I'm nice, right, Joe? <laughs> Have a great day. God bless you. As you go out this week, remember you have a mission to share your story.